Welcome back to uh, NGF News, or Navigating Global Frontiers. Uh, you're just back with Josh and Alec again. Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to be doing our topic of the week this week. But first off, we just want to do a little reminder to follow us on our social medias, ngf.news for Instagram, our ngf underscore news for our Twitter, and then ngf underscore news for our TikTok account. Um, those are really, we'll just be updating you with stuff. Um, we do our study abroads this summer on TikTok. We'll have some yeah, stuff we'll, coming along. We have plans for that. We'll have, we'll have a lot of recent stuff, recent developments. We'll try to get things um, as we see them out there. So, yeah. yeah. So, like we said from our first episode, we do one episode, which is just current events that we choose. And then this one is our second of the week, which is our topic of the week, which we are both very excited to talk about. This is our first one. This one is called... China's next chess move. Latin America. Latin America. Man. It's an ignored subject. It is an ignored subject, and I think there's just not enough awareness about it. You know, this is a pretty recent development. I mean, uh, you know, China has their hands on on Africa with their Belt and Road Initiative right now. And, you know, they building infrastructure, digging for oil. You know, obviously their infrastructure is not the best in Africa. It's pretty much collapsing. Like they have infrastructure where it's just not good. But at the end of the day, they want their they want their materials and raw supplies. And uh, now they want to get their hands in Latin America. Yeah, um, Latin America has always been, you know, something the United States prides with uh, working with. They have a lot of trade deals with Latin America because they do produce a lot of natural. Wheat, sugars, coffee, things like that. Right. Um, in China, there's a lot of turmoil, especially in the last couple of years. Venezuela was the start of it. And China now wants to get its hands on Latin America. And they actually, despite wanting to get its hands on, they 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 basically have they they got their they got one hand on. I don't know if they have both, but they have one hand on. I think it's because sure. the US still has both of our hands in yeah. Latin America because they are such you know they're geographically close to us and they make a they're strategically perfect for trading. But China's just getting their hands into it. And with turmoil, China loves when a region has turmoil. Because they're distracted, right? So they can easily make some terrible deals. Be like, hey, we understand you are going through some stuff right now. Yeah. Here's an economic package, right? It could just be like a very like loan with like terrible terms. And you know, you can use this money to, you know, build your infrastructure or whatever you want to do with that money in return, yeah. we get some supplies. So yeah, China's China's the masters at that. We'll just throw out some statistics for you right now, kind of give you a background. Since 2008 to 2019, China has extended a $131 billion line of credit to the Latin Americas. Um, one of the things that they're trying to deploy with this money is for um, countries to not recognize Taiwan as a state. Yeah, That's funny, which is an interesting thing. Um, we'll go back to that because I actually have something different. Yeah. So trade in uh, 2021, so post-COVID, or mid-COVID maybe, is up to $450 billion with a B. That's a lot. They also have comprehensive partnerships with Brazil, Chile, Ecuador, Mexico, Peru, and Venezuela, which is the highest standard you could have with China, which basically means that they 
strategically do things with China. Right. So that is huge. I've got one more thing here, but if I find it, we'll get to it later. But those are just some statistics to throw out because now China is officially the largest trade partner with Latin America. Yeah. Um, they're competing, you know, obviously, hand-to-hand with uh... – Head to head, sorry, with uh, the United States, and like you said, they have developed close economic ties with these countries. But what do they want out of Latin America? Um, China needs um, basically their raw materials, such as uh, soybeans and you know all other like food items and stuff. But Latin America also sits on copper, petroleum, uranium. Oh yeah, that's right, uranium. Yeah. Yep, they sit on. A lot of those resources that China needs and how does China get into there, right, to get those materials? They have built uh, things like dams, ports, railroads, and other foreign direct investment uh, for Latin America into their energy uh, energy and uh, basic infrastructure as well. So that's how they get their hands in there. Um, yeah. Chinese purchases for lithium has also uh, pretty much spiked. Um, there's, I think, lithium reserves in... Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile. These three, I read something online where it's like half of the world's lithium in there. Really? In these three countries from wow. what I was able to piece together from everything I searched. So That's crazy. Yeah, they need that. Yeah. Uh, some things about China, if you know anything about Africa, they are basically... It, you can call it China 2.0. They own Africa, Angola, oh, yeah. and South Africa. Um, China is very good at providing lending contracts, um, allocating direct investments, and infrastructure projects. Not in ter- not the infrastructure in terms of how well they do it, but how fast they do it. Right. They can build things. They built like what was it, six hundred mile train and railroad in Africa in Southern Africa. It was buildings. They 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 can build all the infrastructure they want, but there's been complaints that that infrastructure has been poor in Africa and it's just been like yeah in need of constant repair. But do they care? Because they they gave them loans. Yeah. They're like pay us back. We don't care. Like exactly. We built this for you. And this is exactly what worries me in Latin America, is that they'll fall for this trap. They're like, yeah, we're getting the investments. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like, there's no freedom to work with China. Once you're in that trap, you have no choice. Yeah. China keeps deals from being disclosed. So there is no, like, they can basically, they hush you up with the money so that nobody knows what the contract is. They can terminate, and they have terminated contracts in countries that have made economic or political decisions against what Chinese right. want. But they also have to repay all of the Chinese debts first before they pay off their lender, which is usually a Chinese lender. Yeah. So China is benefiting in so many ways from going into Africa. And if they want to push their foreign policy and their policies outside of Africa the next is and to get uh, a step up on the United States. I mean, what better than the US's backyard? I mean it's exactly yeah, and they're they're becoming they're very smart. Um the one thing that the United States is it's short term policy goals and policy making, we think every four to eight years, China thinks every twenty to forty years. Right. So And here's the thing with China, right? The US and 
other Western countries, when they go into a like a struggling country, like let's say economically or politically as well, the thing they'll offer is democracy. We will give you democracy. We will help build your democracy. Yeah. Now that's that's amazing. Like you know, better democracy. You know, we need fair. We need democracy around the world, right? But China doesn't care what government you have. You know, China's like we don't care about all that. We just want to help help in quotes mm-hmm. economically. Because if you go to the U.S. versus like what what U.S. offers, what China offers, the U.S. won't offer all these economic packages for you they'll be like we'll make sure your democracy is protected or right so of course you know the u.s tries economically to give you you know like form trade deals and whatnot but they won't offer the same way the chinese offer but at the end there's always a knife behind whatever the chinese offers oh yeah so absolutely if the u.s could could do what china is doing and gain like their hands economically out there right forming trade deals making all sorts of like agreements contracts whatever but make it fair i mean we could easily just counter what china is doing but now it's becoming practically impossible because as china is expanding they're making these one-ended deals where it's like if you work with anyone else that's it like we we won't like we won't allow that one two will cut off everything like if they cut off everything that means that that country that's receiving aid from china We'll just be devastated so it's kind of just like once you're in there you, it's going to be practically impossible and it's going to cost western countries more to try to rebuild the damage done by the chinese economically then they can start working on building up that country yeah for sure um for those of you who don't know um post world war ii the united states basically rebuilt europe and they're continuing to build europe and um, I mean, it's it's a well developed, well perf- almost near perfect infrastructure in, in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Southern Europe. Um, so we have the United States has a monopoly basically on that part, and and obviously now that they're they're okay, they can do it themselves. But the United States still does play a hand in infrastructure. China during the Cold War recognized that Africa is untapped. No one's going to touch Africa because Africa is just getting out of the whole colonial era still. Right. Of um, no, we're talking like Netherlands, nineteen from like the seventeen, almost to like the late nineteen hundreds. Yeah, Portugal was the last country to leave um, Africa, and so when the, everyone left, then it was just like constant conflict, civil wars. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, China. China just sat in and said, "Hey." We're going to ignore your conflicts. We just want your resources. And we'll give you money towards it. And, and, and at first, this wasn't the case. The Chinese in the 80s, they they were like, okay, we're going to go pro-Marxist with, and Leninist with the Russians. That quickly changed when they weren't getting anywhere. Right. And so then they said, we'll just ignore your problems. You do you. You'll let us have the resources, whatever. They also said that when you guys... If you win your civil war, we can give you governmental guidance. We don't have to. Right. It's up to you. Well, guess what they did? They all went to China and said, hey, we need help to run our government. We have no idea what we're doing. Right. And so they hold all major, almost all major ports in Africa, all major oil refineries in Africa. They are 
big touch with them. Now, it's a little different in Latin America because before they didn't have the infrastructure to get to Latin America. Now that they do, they want a piece of it. So the United States has a lot of issues on its hands at the moment, and we want to fix a lot of things at home, but we can't just sit here and ignore the fact that China is coming right on our doorstep. Yeah, they're they're knocking at our back door, and we're standing at the front door saying, we're trying to fix our problems, and then we close the door on those people, and we don't even acknowledge that the back door is being knocked on. Yep. So we... We have big issues here. Uh, I saw an interesting thing that Foreign Affairs Journal brought up the U.S. should and Europe could combat investing or could combat China by investing in human capital, meaning investing in students to study abroad and investing in bringing in online classes from America and Europe. What are your thoughts on that? That's interesting. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so it's investing in human capital instead of regular capital by teaching, by offering them teach like ability to study abroad and to teach classes there. So that in can, like the country, yeah, in the country online though. So offering those technologies. So you're saying, so the foreign affairs journal is saying, hey, we'll invest in you if you go study in like let's say Latin America is not just no no not, not like in like we will invest in you is like we're going to invest in you and give you the opportunities to study abroad, give you the opportunities to take online classes to teach obviously American policies, European policies, ways of government. Do you think that's a good idea? What are your thoughts? I'm still trying to piece this together. So human capital meaning like are they trying to pull students out of like yeah, out of other countries. Oh, out of other countries into the US. So like yeah, in Latin America, they want to offer more study abroad programs to go to America. Oh, okay, that's what I was trying to. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 a good start. I mean, it's Again, when when a country like China has their hands in there, they could just be like, "Hey, you can't do that. Otherwise, we'll cut off everything we have. Yeah, uh, everything we have uh, in your country." But I mean, yeah, it it it's a good start. I mean, if you're investing into these people, right, and you're getting them to be skilled laborers, they're understanding the Western ways. It could bring like it it could be a positive benefit for. For the U.S. and Western allies, they're going to be like, okay, now we have these people that are like that believe in democracy and believe that um, the way that China does things is is completely wrong. Yeah, I yeah, I was I was shocked when I saw that. I've never really thought of that as a kind of a solution because, you know, what the United States has done in the past is throw money at a problem infrastructure. You know, okay, we want you guys to become a democracy. We're going to teach you how to be a democracy. But you're already teaching people who are either already educated and don't maybe don't want to learn democracy. Right. But if you teach them from when they're 17, 18, 19 years old, I mean, you know, the one thing the United States is very lucky is that, yeah, okay, we may understand how governments work, but we have really good education. Right. In countries that are developing, they might not have good education. So this is an introduction of how to run government to them. And if you introduce this way, they're going to sit there and think, oh, wow, this is cool. This is awesome. Let's do this. Right. And then they'll go back as educated people and say, hey, we should run our government like this. So it's not a bad idea. Yeah, when you put it that way, that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. Like you said before. Uh, we throw money at our problems, and we can't just we can't outbid the Chinese no. every single time. We can we can do that, but it it won't go anywhere. 
I was thinking of more the human capital way is probably a very smart and unique solution I even consider. Um, I was thinking more of just putting private uh, private sectors the core of national strategy and foreign policy. Yeah. If we put private enterprises and like their goal of trying to like get them to go out of the country, right? And fund them because the biggest thing that country the, the businesses don't want to go is because of costs. It's going to cost them to go out the country. It's going to cost them to set up. It's going to cost them to source everything they need to run their business in that country. And, you know, and if they're, let's say, selling something in a foreign country, right, they're not going to make much money because people don't have the money there. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what we can do, right, is have these private enterprises at the forefront of foreign policy and be like, listen, we need you out here. We'll fund what you need to operate out there. And what these foreign, what these companies can do is that they can collect raw materials, right? Yeah. In exchange, offer like training programs. Yeah. And offer even like those education programs, right? For these people who go work at these private enterprises, right? Abroad. Abroad, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. My uh, that that is more like the the private sector way, but obviously a mix of both would be a way to combat china well it's it's funny you say that actually because amazon is building warehouses in mexico everywhere yeah they're really huge warehouses which is a source of jobs um and i think it's not a bad idea to just kind of build them in latin america it's also a concern over you know the the workers and how they get paid right yes because they're like oh we could just go into foreign country and just pay them cheaper like but I think there should be a best practices way when they're also sending out these countries to uh, use private uh, enterprises as a way, as a diplomatic tool to uh, bolster the economic relationship between uh, the U.S. and or Western country in like a more developing country. So because they could just be like, okay, well, say less. I'll go out there and I'll go do my thing cheaper. Like uh, people, I could just pay my people less. But um, if they're going to do that, they should, in my opinion, right, if they're going to intake someone, train them, right, the same way they would train us if we're, like, you know, working for them here in the United States, right? Yeah. Train them, get the skills and the language that they need, right? It might take, you know, a couple of months to, you know, a year or two to get them up to speed on how to, you know, operate in the part that the business wants them to to work under. But it's kind of like going back to the thing where I said where there needs to be, like, a deal, like, fair deals like not, nothing like the chinese where it's just like we'll give you this oh, oh you're absolutely. gonna be against me yeah let's how about we don't like you know yeah they definitely do it's kind of giving back like you're giving back to um the people right and you're getting them the jobs they need to then essentially go back into government and um like learn the democratic ways and all that yeah. to go back into the government so it's kind of like two birds and one stone type thing but yeah for sure um, which I was just thinking actually right now, it's funny. You remember that project that we did for Stouffer when I recommended the economic union between Mexico, Canada, and the United States? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. So I, I just thought about it. Well, oh. Brazil and Argentina are trying to create a, a single currency right now where it's just shared between the both of them, it's one currency. So you're getting rid of. The Argentinian peso, like a couple of days ago, they're introducing this. And I, I just thought about that, and then I thought about this in my head. What if we kind of sit down with the, what is, what is the, is it OSAC? The 
the country where it's the thing where we trade with all Latin America, I forget what it's called. But if we sit down and we kind of propose our own version of the EU, an economic union with the Gulf South America, all the Americans, why not? Yeah, they can all mutually benefit. So the benefit, I mean, with all them mutually benefiting from the economic union, uh, it can keep China out. I mean, China is just not in Europe. They don't trade at all, or if they do, it's rare. Um, and only in the private sector. So I think an economic union, which obviously is a huge, that's huge, huge stretch to have North, yeah. Central, and South America under. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or like all of them under the belt, like like as big as the European Union. It would be just tad smaller. America's Union. Yeah, the America's Union. I mean, it's not a that, terrible idea. Honestly, that's sure. like the best. It's like ideal. I mean, essentially, you have free movement of labor, free movement of businesses. Yep, exactly. You'll have everyone up to speed, and you'll have such a developed region. I mean, just look at the EU, right? There's yeah. everyone works together. They're all developed. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. they're trying to bring in more countries, and they have to follow a subset of rules to you know to get in, so that everyone grows at a even pace, and that's how you keep yeah. the Chinese out. And you know, it's about time the Western Hemisphere gets on pace because you have the European Union, you have the African Union, you have ASEAN, and then there's another Asian one. You have the Middle Eastern one, and then you go over to the Western Hemisphere, and it's like free for all. Everyone's buying. Everyone's, everyone's, everyone's behind the U.S., so it's like. If we could try to come together as a bunch of countries and mutually benefit, because we, we want to trade with them. That was one of George Bush's biggest things, was investing in Latin America. It could change how China comes in here. It could make them leave or change Beijing's policies in general to the world, because he's not going to go to the EU. He doesn't really... He he trades... They trade with ASEAN, but... ASEAN makes its own thing. Policies. So I don't know. We'll see. It's obviously a big stretch. That's that's honestly, if we're going to try to combat from China going into our doorstep, that's the best way is to have this economic union. Now that you, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, it's actually a fantastic idea. But will this ever happen? Probably, but yeah, not. I don't know because the first economic union that probably would be more likely is if. Uh, Mexico, if USMCA turns into an economic union, yeah, and then maybe from there an expansion southward un- into Central America and Latin America. Because if you look at Latin America, it's not overly like they're not like badly like de- considered developing. They're moving towards like oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially it's just they have a lot of the problem is crime. That's, yeah, the crime is the problem. Because Brazil and Argentina are pretty developed, but yeah. Brazil's crime rates are insane. It's scary to go down to Brazil if you are anything but Brazilian. Um, you could get kidnapped, but the only problem with Latin America and the economic union is what they give. And um, the only, here's here's what their economy looks like. Latin America leans on natural resources, um, and the reason why they and, they and that's all they export is natural resources: sugar, coffee, um, and they have a like lot that. of untapped like materials. Like the copper, uranium, and petroleum, too. Yeah. That they're sitting on, but they can't access. For sure. And then the only reason why it was working earlier is they benefited from high commodity prices. What? Low inflation from high demand. Well, demand is there. Prices are there. But inflation is not low anymore. And they're going to suffer from that inflation. Right. And also they're suffering from supply chains because they can't move the demand. 
There's there they have the supply. Where the heck are they gonna? They can't get it there. Right. So well, with the the union, the economic union. Yeah, it could change a lot of things. It, it could be perfect for them. You know, free trade, sell it wherever they want, wherever they can, completely like pretty much practically for free. Yeah, solves all our inflation problems. Yeah, a lot of things. Yeah. So I mean, honestly, China has a lot of power over the world at the moment. Everybody owes debt to China. Everybody owes something to China. So we'll see how it goes uh, from here. But I don't know. Not just you're uh, thinking about it. What what do you think could be the next step for China in Latin America if um, if the U.S. doesn't step up our uh, support? Endorsing dollar? Brazil? And Argentina into creating their own currency. If they endorse them and also back them with kind of funds to help them do that and also be part of the process in creating this currency, um, which Brazil and Brazil especially real Latin America uh, won at that point. Yeah, Brazil Brazil especially really is close with China. That's that's very scary. Yep. So at that point, if you're China, you know, also if you're the United States, you want to get in on this. Because if they're really, really behind it, they're like, okay, we're going to do this. The U.S. has to be the first people to go and say, hey, we'll help you. Right. We'll help you build this. We'll back you. We will trade more with you. We'll start even printing your currency for you, for Christ's sake. Let's just do it. Let's get right. this done before China comes in and say, we're going to do the same thing. We'll help you. We'll back you. So the U.S. has to be smart. Right. Um, because it all it all starts with Brazil and Argentina. They're the two largest countries in South America. Right. And then Mexico, if that ever happens, with China getting their foot in Mexico, which they're getting close. We'll see. Yeah. And just looking further down the road for China, I mean, they have a pretty clear road. They could, you know, the U.S. might be, the U.S. influence is still there, but China won't stop unless we have a really strong presence there. So, you know, maybe in the next few years, we'll see, Chinese like infrastructure being built like physically we'll be able to see it now and we'll see the same situation again that we see in Africa yeah where it won't be the best it'll collapse it'll hurt and, uh, Latin America yeah and at the end of the day they they have their, their they have them in loans and debt but yeah. they get what they need they have the copper the petroleum and the uranium and they need to power everything at back home and create everything they need so yeah Africa starting to resent China too recently so um they can resent all they I, want but I, well, chinese are just they already have chokehold so yeah, I, they got i'm just saying for latin america's point of view i hope that governments are looking at africa and saying hey you know this is what you did you took africa a developing continent who were in such a good point at the 80s and the 90s and just screwed them over right and everything is just turning around in Africa. The growth, especially after 2008, the growth is just not there anymore. So I hope Latin America just takes a look at that and says, uh, no, we don't want that. We don't want to get screwed. Hopefully. Yeah. Right. But uh, you, uh, you know what's a little interesting to me is that in order for the Chinese to work in country, for example, they need to have that country's government say, we do not recognize Taiwan as independent. Yep. Which Latin America, most of those countries don't recognize Taiwan as independent. Mm -hmm. So Brazil, especially, they, yeah. they're adamant about it. China, they, they just said Taiwan. And it's funny because money talks. Yeah, money does they're talk. Like, All right, well, we don't recognize it. Okay, here's some money. Yeah, money talks in this world, and 
And that's the game we the United States has to play too. We just have to play money talks. We can't play democracy talks. I know. That that's a cold war thing. That's the old game. That was and the old game. It didn't work. It worked. Now we have yeah. to play the game of money talks. Yeah. And as unfortunate as it sounds, you know, the world does revolve around money. We care about money. As humans, we work for money. We want we want freedoms. Okay. And how do you attain freedom? Unfortunately, it's through money. We're so tied up around money. Yeah. And it's just what the world needs now. We need money to solve every single problem that we have. And the fact is, is that if we invest in these countries, the turnaround for the United States will be huge. It'll boost our economy. Um, if you'll see more people coming to the United States, which will fill the jobs that we're missing. Right. It will boost the United States up ten notches if we just forget about that they're a democracy. We make investments with them. Now, I'm not saying we go to places that have human rights violations. That's still a no-no. That's a moral thing. But you're talking Latin America. Outside of Venezuela and Peru, maybe in Colombia a little bit, Bolivia, but outside of that, the human rights are not really tarnished on. If you look at Africa and um, the developing countries towards the north, human rights are not a big thing anymore. They're, they've solved a lot of their human rights problems. Right. Same in the Middle East, um, the Far East. What the U.S. can do to essentially combat Chinese growing influences, they could create like a long-term plan and have it binding. Let's say hypothetically the U.S. goes into a country where, you know, there's some government issues, the economy's not well, they have like resources they need and it's, you know, good for a good place to do business with. They can create a binding agreement where it's like, listen, for these next few years, I'll help you with your government. Will help everything get cleared up. Any human rights violations, all that will get them all addressed. And then the next phase will be, you know, the economy. So I mean, this having this sort of like long term plan is pretty like it's what it, China's doing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's what China's doing, right? But they're just playing the they're doing the economy stuff because they don't care about the oh yeah they don't care about the rest of the stuff. They care about the long term yeah. economic plan. But not the long-term political and economic plan, which could be a selling point for the yeah. United States. And I agree to that um, as well because it's just – it's super important that China doesn't keep getting its foothold in our backyard and also within the world. So if we, we can put our own plan out there because we're not. We're not pushing our own plan out there. We're just we're like, oh, we're with Europe, Japan. And uh, the G4, whatever. If we think regionally, it's like EU, ACM countries, and then we can have another partner down there too. But... Yeah, but we just need to start expanding our partners to the developing world because... I think we will. I think after this, Smart. the Russia-Ukraine war, I think that the U.S. is going to finally shift our focus from a Cold War ideology, like let's fund a country in a war against Russia or like against a country that's against our ideals because that's what we're doing we're stuck in cold war tactics yes we are. and i think we are going to maybe see the shift like listen we need more economic ties because the more we have economic ties the more it'll sway away countries from going into war because now it's about if you're so economically developed you can't go into a war because it'll have devastating effects that will ripple throughout the world so I, this is the only way to to move on if the Russia-Ukraine war does end, is to focus on making more trading partners and have, hopefully, Ukraine join the EU. Yeah. That, that'll have a big implication. And then that'll, you know, keep China out of, um, like, countries, like, it, 
keep China out of the EU, ASEAN, and then hopefully our own. Yeah, hopefully, because um, you know our partners are starting to dwindle because they just don't trust uh, the United States to get the job done. Um, our bureaucracy is awful. Yeah, <laughs> we just offer them money, weapons, and then at the end of the day, they're like, we're like, okay. Do whatever you want with this. on their own. Yeah. That's the big thing is like we give them stuff and then they're like, okay, figure it out. You can figure it out. That's exactly stuff. what we do when we spread democracy. We just yeah. we just go in there, put someone as a democratic, the the one uh a leader that's you know democratic, and that's it. We leave. Like yeah. we offer, then their country collapses, and we're like, oh my god. What happened? What happened? <laughs> we left them. We gave them we gave them like a foundation that's like so weak. Man, yeah. they don't have the other, like, of course, you know, then there's the bay of whether or not the U.S. plays continues to play the world police, yeah, thing. But I mean, we push them. I mean, look at what China's doing. They're playing like what? What is like not world police, but you know, like disturb. They're playing everybody else. That's that's one thing. World yeah. monopoly. Yeah, world monopoly. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, playing uh, police. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, China's China's always been a one step ahead in terms of economy. They really know. Uh, we we have our. Yeah, we're good. Thoughts. Yeah, I think we'll. I think we can figure it out. Hopefully. We will, and hopefully in the next few years, um, this war ends and we do change our perspective. And it's also very. We need to keep an eye out on what China does. Yeah, for sure. For um, in Latin America now that you know they're opened up and they're looking to recover, and no better way to recover than in Latin America. It's just a goldmine for them. That's kind of like my final remarks. Do you have anything? Yeah, else to say? no, I got nothing else to say. So let's just hope we we saw these issues. Yeah, hopefully we play the the right game. Yeah, but uh, other than that, that wraps up our uh, topic of the week. Um, yeah. We hope you enjoyed um, this topic. We'll try to keep interesting topics, not essentially like topics that are kind of just like like Russia Ukraine war. Like that's more of like a current events thing. So we'll try to pick interesting topics for you guys that you do not really hear about often in the news. Yeah, something that's more like. Policy, like U.S. policy based, policy. policies, stuff like that. It could also be economics, like you know, yeah, addressing different like economic gaps. For example, we'll, we'll have a bunch of interesting topics for you guys to listen into, so it's not the same thing you hear on yeah. the headlines. Yeah, uh, just remember to follow us on our social medias and uh, tune in for next week's episodes. So, thank you. Yep, thank you for listening, everyone.